Hello, and welcome to another great podcast here at Skyline Columbus. Uh, of course, you know me by now. I'm your instructor, Todd Shellnet here. And today, we're going to be talking about factors affecting aircraft performance. Now, there are numerous things that affect aircraft performance. Some of these things include the airport elevation, temperature, uh, humidity, surface winds, aircraft weight, uh, the slope and condition of the runways. So let's talk about uh, some of these things, exactly how it affects you on your normal everyday flight or wherever you plan on going. Now, uh, the first thing we'll talk about is uh, the elevation. Now, this is very, very important to us because uh, in the south, we don't really have a lot of problems with the elevation unless we fly into the mountains. Uh, Then we get uh, should actually do some extra training for the mountainous uh, regions that we're going to be flying in. However, uh, where you take off from can significantly affect your performance. Remember that as altitude increases, the amount of air available uh, for engine combustion and as well as the production of lift, it decreases. And this decrease in the air density directly result in a loss of performance uh, that is most evident during takeoff and climb out. And you're going to see a big, huge difference in this. What are you going to see? You're going to say, like, wow, it's taking a whole lot of runway. You know, normally I'm off the ground in Columbus well before the 1,000-foot marker, the fixed distance marker. But this time, half the runway is already gone. As air density decreases, Uh, It is referred to as an increase in density altitude. So, we've talked about different types of altitudes before in some other podcasts, but we're talking about an increase in density altitude. And in case you didn't know it, if you look back in your performance section and all of your charts, in your performance section, in your pilot's operating handbook or or pilot's information manual, whatever you have, if you look at those uh, distances that's required for takeoff and landing, those are all based on density altitude. Because if we remember the things that are required for us to figure up density altitude, one is pressure altitude and the other is temperature, and that's exactly the way those charts are set up. Pressure altitude on one side, temperature across the top, that's for a general table setup. Uh, if you're using the other type of graph chart, it may not be the same. But in, uh, that's what we're looking at. Temperature, pressure, altitude is going to give you that density altitude. Uh, by the same token, if, uh, air, if air density increases, then the density altitude is going to decrease. So you actually may have better performance based off the density altitude. Of course, we talked about the elevation, density, altitude, and the temperature and the pressure altitude. So in itself, temperature, uh, that is a very big deal there. And as this temperature rises, you're going to see the density of the air is actually going to decrease. And this is going to uh, directly result in a decrease in engine power output, as well as your propeller efficiency and the lift, the aerodynamic lift of the wings. Now, most performance charts that we've talked about do not require you to compute density altitude, uh, like I said, because it's built into the chart. Now, conditions that cause this high density altitude are, remember these three things, high, hot, and humid High, hot, and humid. Those are the three, the three biggest things that's going to make that density altitude go through the roof. Uh, the amount of water vapor contained in the atmosphere is re- referred to as humidity. Okay, So when we start talking about high, hot, and humid, it's really kind of hard for us to look at our flight computer and put in humidity because there's really no place for it. So if you have an ASOS or an AWOSH that's actually reporting the density altitude, I would take that as more of a true fact than I would be what you're computing on your flight computer because our flight computers only take into effect 
barometric pressure, which directly results to pressure altitude, and the temperature. And uh, dealing with humidity, uh, it is, ex it is uh, of course, expressed as a percentage of the maximum amount of water vapor that the air can hold. And, of course, this is all dealing with temperature. So the hotter the air mass, the more water or the more humidity it can hold, the more water vapor it can hold. Humidity affects engine performance by taking up the space that it would normally be available for this vaporized fuel to take. So uh, one of the biggest things that I like to discuss is as the humidity increases, okay, as the humidity increases, less air is going to enter the engine. Uh, this has the effect of causing a small increase in density altitude. So you can actually increase density altitude by adding some humidity to the air. The moisture also tends to retard even fuel burning in the cylinder uh, because you have this moisture in there where there's supposed to be combustion. And when the relative humidity is high, you're going to see an engine loss may be as high as around 7 to 10%. And the airplane's total takeoff and climb performance may be reduced by as much as 10%. You can also expect somewhat of a higher landing speed and a longer landing roll uh, and less dense humid air also. So very big factor when we start talking about humidity. Now, surface winds uh, also have a, a very significant impact on, the, uh, on our operations when we're out flying. But when we use them to our advantage, they can reduce the takeoff and landing distance. So because of this, you always want to make sure that you take off into the wind and land into the wind. Because if you don't, you could have a very long takeoff roll or you could have a very long landing. And those are things that we don't want to do. Now, aircraft weight significantly affects performance. Uh, as your aircraft weight increases, the aircraft must accelerate to a higher speed to generate that lift that is going to be needing for flight. The lighter the airplane, literally the lower the airspeed you can get off the ground. The heavier the airplane, you're going to have to generate a higher airspeed. Remember that in our pilot's operating handbook that our rotation speed for every airplane made, well, I tell you what, let's not be so general because I hate to be general. Remember, the rotation for every aircraft, the rotation speed for every aircraft is based specifically on max gross weight. Okay? Some airplanes may list more than one uh, rotation speed for different weights, and jets have uh, their own little thing kicking. But let's not talk about that. Let's stay specifically with the initial training, which is what these uh, courses are all about. The next thing we'll talk about is runway conditions and relating this to aircraft performance data, uh, specifically a paved and level runway with a smooth dry surface is going to be your best takeoff, okay? Uh, if any one of these conditions do not exist, let's say for instance that the runway is not paved, if it's dirt or gravel or grass, or if the uh, runway is not level, say if it has an incline or a decline, uh, or if it has a big uh, hump in it, which you see at some of the airports we fly to, it has a slight hump in it, and it's not dry. Let's say if the runway is wet. Those things really affect. So if any one of these conditions do not exist, the takeoff and landing distances that you're going to see, they're not going to agree with the values listed in the performance charts. So I love to be able to tell my commercial pilots, uh, when I'm training commercial pilots, to go out there after... Go out there and start marking your landing distance. Start marking your takeoff distance. And see, does my pre-flight planning, does it correspond to the performance that I'm getting today? 
And if not, why? Why am I not getting the performance? Let's see. Is it because of high heat? Is it because of an incline in the runway? Like we would have at Alexander City when we do our cross countries there. Is it because the runway's wet? Are we taking off from grass? Did we take off from a tailwind? Do we have calm winds today? And tomorrow we have a 10, 15 knot headwind blowing right down the runway. What is it? Figure out what it is. A good pilot, like they say, always learning. Figure these things out. Know more about your airplane and you're going to be a better pilot. Again, uh, we talked about uh, the gradient a minute ago or the slope of the runway. And that's basically the, the, the change of runway height over its length. Sometimes it may be a percentage or up. These are very clearly indicated in the airport facility directory published by the FAA. And uh, anytime you see a gradient of 2%, it means the runway uh, will have a height change of 2 feet for every 100 feet of runway length. Now, is that going to be a factor? Maybe. Depends on the other factors. The surface, the headwind, tailwind. A lot of these things are different. So you have to consult your pilot's operating handbook and see how these things affect you as far as your takeoff and landing distance. Now, a positive runway gradient was going to reduce your takeoff performance. Uh, basically, because it slows the rate of acceleration. Uh, but it will decrease your landing roll because it adds... Uh, more friction to the landing. A negative gradient on the other hand is going to, of course, it will shorten your takeoff roll, but it's going to increase your landing distance. So remember this, run rate gradient is very, very important when we actually go planning our flight. Now the braking effectiveness is the last thing we'll talk about. And this refers to how much braking power you can apply to the tires. Uh, at some times, you're not able to apply full braking. Let's say, for instance, that you land on a runway and it has ice or slush or snow or standing water on it. Well, you're not able to apply full braking power. Uh, well, you could. I'm not saying that you can't. You could apply full braking power. I'm not going to guarantee where the airplane will go. It may go off the runway. It may go off the side of the runway. It may do some, uh, some little circles and some little pirouettes. And uh, we don't want that to happen. So if the runway is wet, you're going to have less friction between the tires. Uh, and the runway is available and the length of the landing roll increases. In some cases, you can lose all braking effectiveness due to a thin layer of water that separates the tire from the runway. And this, my friend, is known as hydroplaning. If you've ever hydroplaned in your car going 45, 35, 45, 50 miles an hour, try doing it in the airplane when you're on the landing roll or takeoff roll going 70, 80, or 90 miles an hour. It's a little bit different because things happen a lot quicker. Now, braking effectiveness also may be completely lost on ice-covered runways. Uh, they do have this other particular thing that uh, I, I'm not going to go into detail about it, but it's called the MU factor. And the MU factor is the way that they register the braking effectiveness on an ice-covered runway that is very, very slick. And so we want to ensure that we have adequate runway length and favorable surface winds under these conditions. So is it, is it okay to come into a snow or ice-covered, slush-covered runway? It is if you've got more conditions that will help you. If it's an incline, a good headwind, then yes, it may be okay to land there. So don't take any chances. Remember, back to our basic things from, from private pilot, okay? 
Taking chances is foolish, okay? Don't let that machoism, this hazardous attitude, come back and bite you. Again, thank you so much for listening to me today for talking about factors affecting performance, and I look forward to seeing you at the airport.